A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. That is a quote by John Maxwell. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to episode 108. The topic of this week's episode is Leading Beyond a Crisis. My guests this week are Ben Baker and Claire Chandler. Ben and Claire are both in leadership development. They both co-authored the book Leading Beyond a Crisis, and they both host the podcast Creating the New Normal, Leadership in a Post-Pandemic World. Claire left her corporate job to advise CEOs and founders on how to scale up their businesses for fewer business pains and performance bottlenecks. Ben left his high-tech job to start a business in communication marketing. He teaches effective communication in leadership, how to develop leadership teams, and how businesses can tell their stories through podcasting. If you're in leadership and you're wondering where does your business go from here and how do you lead after this pandemic is over, you want to stay tuned because Claire and Ben have some great advice that they want to share with you. Welcome, Ben and Claire, to Trina Talk. It is such a pleasure to be here, Trina. We are excited to be on the show. Well, we I absolutely am, are. I'm excited to hear from you guys. I you guys have some great things going on and I'm very interested because I'm looking at the title of your book and it's leading beyond crisis and Lord knows where we are today. But before we dive into the book, can you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves, how you two met to co-author and what you guys did before you got into doing what you're doing today? Sure. Go ahead, Claire. Yeah. So, um, so I'm Claire Chandler. I have had uh, a consulting business. I, I left corporate America in 2011 and officially formed my company, Talent Boost, in 2013. And I specialize uh, in advising um, CEOs and founders uh, on how to scale up their businesses with fewer growing pains and performance bottlenecks. Um, Ben and I actually were introduced uh, earlier this year through a mutual connection on LinkedIn. And after a couple of conversations, um, you know, we we realized very quickly that we uh, were were kindred spirits in terms of uh, our our similar perspectives on leadership, um, especially in the time of COVID. And, um, you know, what ended up happening was we, uh, you know, one conversation led to the next. And then Ben said, you know, I think we should start recording these and maybe, you know, sharing them on YouTube because I think there's something here. Um, and, and lo and behold, by the time we were done, we had 12 um, video conversations all around leadership. And as we looked back at the conversations, we thought, um, 
you know, what was funny was we did the conversations originally thinking that COVID was going to be a somewhat short-term hurdle for businesses. Um, and therefore the conversations would have a relatively short shelf life. And of course, now we know that COVID is something we will live below, you know, alongside um, for quite some time. And so we took the um, transcripts from those conversations, we have edited those and we pulled them together into this book that really offers some insights to leaders uh, who are looking to not just survive COVID, but really um, continue to build and lead thriving businesses going forward. So I'll, I'll turn it over to, to, to Ben to fill in the gaps on that story. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Ben Baker. I'm the BB of this uh, BB and CC uh, brigade. About 25 years ago, I got out of high tech and got into communication marketing and started off killing trees, started off in the direct mail business. Uh, I had the wonderful insight to start your brand marketing on January 2nd, 2008. Can't think of a better time to start the company than maybe today, but you know what? We, we, we thrived, we survived, and we've done very well for ourselves. The company focuses on a couple of different things, and it all has to do with effective communication. The first is leadership and helping build leadership teams. I'm a big believer of we need to get rid of the word manager and we need to get into individual team leaders um, and get your, your frontline people thinking about leading versus managing people. So we, we train them up in teams. But the other thing that we do is we build customized podcasts for companies to be able to help them tell their story because I'm a big believer of when your people, when your entire ecosystem knows your story, they're far more engaged with who you are. They're far more willing to believe in you. They're far more willing to trust you. And they're far more willing to march down a path with you. So that's where we come from. Um, you know, when it comes to the work that Claire and I do together, she's right. It, it was it was a symbiotic relationship. We, we both looked at each other and said, you know what? We both believe that we need to stop grabbing our knees and rocking back and forth. And companies need to keep one eye on the crisis and what's happening today, but they need to keep the other eye on the horizon. Where are we going? You know, we know we don't have a perfect view. We don't, we know we don't have a crystal ball. We know we're going to make mistakes, but if we don't start thinking about what's next, we're going to get stuck and we're going to, we're going to start going backwards and start instead of going forwards. So I think that was really the impetus of what created the need for the podcast and what, you know, where the book came from and everything that's going to come out of it from here forward. But it's really trying to get people to start thinking about, you know what, where do you want to be as a company and let's help you get there. So important. And I, I love it. I love what you both said because um, I don't know if you guys know my background, but I'm a Naval officer. So I'm big on leadership and I really like what you said about getting rid of managers because in my opinion, there is a difference between a manager and a leader. Absolutely. And, it, and in the military, we are taught from ground zero to be leaders, even though you may not be an officer, you are still a leader. Whereas in corporate America, you got to have the title and the position and all of these things and and you get so many people who are in that position of managers that they're not good leaders. So 
let's dive into the book and what you guys have found and and saw that was going on because Claire, like you said, we all thought COVID was going to be just some quick little thing. And here we are, what, <laughs> eight months in? <laughs> yeah. Re- remember when it was going to be a two week hassle that was, was going to alter people's lives and the way they shopped for their groceries for about two weeks. Um, I, I think, you know, looking back, everybody has the hindsight now to say, okay, we, we believe you now let's, let's roll back the clock and just shut ourselves away from the world for two straight weeks. Um, and, and of course, you know, that, that didn't happen. Two weeks became two months. Um, and you know, companies really had to shift from, um, you know, these short-term pivots to really figuring out, um, you know, beyond just keeping the lights on, how do we keep our people safe? How do we keep them focused on the job? Um, where we have to scale back, where we have to um, cut positions or cut expenditures or some combination of both. How do we do that in a way that makes the most business sense from a practical standpoint, but is done with the most compassion, um, you know, that, that we can. And I think a lot of businesses, a lot of businesses, uh, small, medium, and large, um, were, were really caught um, flat-footed by how pervasive the pandemic truly has become in their businesses, um, you know, and, and, you know, to, to the point I think all three of us are making about the fact that, you know, man- managers are somewhat useless in a crisis like this. Um, and, and I mean that because you have to look for the leaders, right? What, mm-hmm. What's the saying about, you know, a, a disaster, you look for the helpers, um, right? You know, people who can um, keep the files organized and keep people on task um, were not who we looked to in the early days of this. We looked to those people who could serve as beacons, um, you know, who, who had some calm amid the chaos, um, who, you know, had a, sort of a level-headed um, mindset that, hey, you know, this is, we're, we're in uncharted waters, but we are in this together and we're going to figure out a way through it together. Um, you know, those are the people that are emerging from this. And those are the companies and those are the cultures um, that I think are going to be stronger coming out of this because they didn't just let this thing rock them back on their heels and, and, and stay there, right? It, it was about, okay, we, we got sort of, you know, knocked down. This was something um, we didn't see coming. We didn't fully prepare for. We're still not fully prepared for. We don't know when it will end. All we know is we are going to have to live and work and breathe alongside of this, um, you know, for for possibly for years. Certainly, the after effects will be felt for years. So, how do we step up in terms of um, how we guide our people, how we pull them forward, how we keep them safe, and how we give them something to believe in? Because otherwise. Um, they're, they're going to give up on us. And, you know, if, if you have a business that you want to be around for any length of time, you can't have your people giving up on you. So true. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. I agree completely. First of all, Trina, thank you for your service. Uh, second of all, I have a saying that I use all the time. It's called leadership is a mindset and not a job title. Mm. And uh, Claire's right. The people that, are going to get us through this crisis. The people that are going to 
be the beacons of light, the people that are going to communicate value and vision moving forward are the leaders. You know, the, there's that wonderful Simon Sinek story about the manager versus the leader where a person's late five days in a row and the manager comes up to them and says, if you're late one more day, I'm going to have to write you up. Where the leader comes up to that same person and says, look, you've been late for five days in a row. Is everything okay? <laughs> and I think that that sums it up in, you know, a, a matter of words to sit there and say, what's the difference between a manager and a leader? And it's nothing wrong with having the title of being a manager because that's what the that's what your company has given you. But it's going behind the fact that you're managing process and that you're leading people. Mm. We're dealing with humans and every human is different. Every human has comes to the office every day with different needs, different wants, different desires, different, you know, headaches that are coming to them from a hundred different directions. And you need to be able to help these people be their best. And that's what true leadership is. And I think that the companies that realize that, that they're going to have people that are going to be isolated at home and are going to be scared and are going to be unsure and not know which way to go. And the more we can communicate with those people and say, you know what, it's okay. Let's talk about it. Let's figure this out. We know that your situation is different from Jane's or Mary's or Bob's, Let's figure out something that's going to work for you, at least in the short term, until you're over this. And we can bring you back up to where everybody else is. Because it's it's lending a hand, you know, giving people a hand up, not a hand out. And I think that that's where we need to be as leaders. We need to realize that we're not just looking at a bunch of automatons. And there's individual human beings that make up every single team and every person needs to be treated with the respect that they desire. They need to be listened to, they need to be understood, and they need to be valued. And if we can do that, we're going to build champions of the brand who are going to work harder, they're going to provide better customer experience, and they're going to build better loyal customers that are going to, you know what? They're going to pay more for the product because they see value. You know, so there's, there's a lot that comes into this. I can't agree more. And what you guys are saying is, oh my goodness, it needs to be on a billboard somewhere because I think not only in this time, but I think that has just been lost in general. And so my question is going leading to your, your book and everything that you're saying, we're in this pandemic now, and now we're at the time where people are, the children are returning to school. And then you have people who have been at home working and things like that. What do businesses do at this time? Because now not only did their employees have the the concerns and the heavy burden of COVID and keeping their family safe and working, but now there's an extra layer added into it of, okay, now I have a child that either I'm going to send to school or keep home. And how do I keep all of this together plus work? And is the business going to understand that, okay, I have a child that's at home online school schooling, and I may need to adjust my schedule. A real um, tangible pain that so many people are feeling, whether, you know, any of the three of us are feeling that personally uh, or not, we definitely know a lot of people who are, you know, who are faced with that reality. Um, You know, and I, and I think the, every person I talk to who has school-age children who is grappling with that decision right now says the same thing. Well, you know, the, the, the school system or the state or the, you know, the, the federal government or the local government, they don't know what they're doing. Um, and, and the reality is 
they they don't. I mean, the sad truth is they don't. But the reason that they don't is mm-hmm. because this is so unprecedented, right? This is not. Yeah, this is right. Mm-hmm. This is not. They've just, never been uh, there before. A, a None really, of us have. Um, bad strain of flu this year. This is a pandemic that. Um, you know, it is so unique. It's still mutating. It is still changing and, and we don't quite know how to fight it. Um, but it's so, you know, the solutions are turning out to be more localized than, um, you know, nationalized or, or, or globalized. Um, and I think, you know, Trina, to your, to your point, I think employers have a real opportunity to, um, you know, kind of take the lead in how they um, support their, uh, you know, their employees and, and, and acknowledge the fact that they are human beings with lives that are seeping into the professional sphere and, and you know, business landscape more than, more than it ever did before, right? They are trying to get work done at the kitchen table. They are trying to, um, you know, have conference calls with um, children and spouses and pets and laundry tugging at their sleeve, right? Um, you know, so these are these are these are competing demands. I was having a conversation with a colleague um, just the other day, and you know, I I, I made the comment. I said, this is where employers have to take a new creative perspective on the term reasonable accommodations, right? Um, because we're, we're so used to, you know, if I have my, my human resources hat on, okay, well, we can evaluate, you know, uh, what sort of falls under the, the, the ADA in terms of what's a reasonable accommodation. Um, you don't want to dismiss those because those still have their place. But I think we are in a time in an era where, you know, enlightened employers have to look at what are some other reasonable accommodations that will support my people's ability to get the outcome I need without me forcing them into a box that tells them where and how they have to get that work done. If they can achieve the outcomes we need, if they can help us move the needle toward our mission, and if they can do that in ways that um, you know don't don't set us back, why should I care whether they need to do that with staggered hours, a different location, um, you know, a different work schedule, a little bit different technology, you know, and I, and I think employers really do need to um, get creative in terms of their level of compassion for their employees. Mm. That, that may also need to be very clear on what's the purpose of the organization. What are we trying to achieve and what's important to us as a company? Because if you can communicate on a person by person basis, the story of the company, where you came from, where you are, where you're going, what's, what do we value, who, who are our key clients, what's important to them, where we're going, and every employee has a clear understanding of what they are, then people will work towards those goals if they feel that their you know, individual effort matters. And that's the key thing. They have to feel that their effort matters. And you're right, whether they do that in the office, whether they do it at home, whether they do it at nine o'clock in the morning, four in the morning or 10 o'clock at night shouldn't matter as long as the work is getting done. I mean, yes, there are certain things that need to happen by a certain time in a certain place. You know, a friend of ours worked on the security department of a, uh, for, a, for a major bank up here in Canada. And there's certain audits that need to be done by law by a certain time in the morning. They, they just have to be done. 
So it's a matter of figuring out, okay, what needs to be done now and what can be done at a later time to be able to take care of family. Because the problem is we're not just dealing with, you know, uh, a North American or a United States or a Canadian school system that says everybody is going to be this way come, you know, after Labor Day, that this is how it's going to happen. Every state is doing things differently. Every school district is doing everything differently. Individual schools are doing things differently based on what they feel is best for their school. And with that, you know, diversity happening, that on itself could raise havoc within workforces if you have, you know, five dozen parents working for uh, for an organization whose kids are in different schools in different school districts within the sit within the city so we need to figure out what do we really need to achieve what's important be able to communicate that effectively and figure out okay this is what we need to have done how do we work with you mary john dave or alan to be able to make sure that you can do your job effectively because this is what we need you to do Let's work together and you tell me here, give me some ideas based on what your individual situation is, how you think you can make this happen. And let's work on an individual basis. It can't, there can't just be broad brushstrokes anymore because it's just not going to work, especially not during the pandemic. And this is where the distinction between manager and leader comes back to the fore, right? Because th- this, this thought, this conversation thread we're having right now about, well, let every individual employee work where and how and when it is it is best suited to their individual needs and climate, uh, you know, provided they still get the work done. Well, you know, b- businesses hear that and they go, oh my gosh, that's completely unmanageable. It might be unmanageable if you're trying to, you know, think in terms of managers. It's certainly not unleadable. If you can lead them in the direction that you want the company to go, and Ben, you just you just you know nailed that. If you if you've got this clarity of purpose of the type of company we want to be and who we want to show up for and how we want to show up for our employees, our customers, our shareholders, our stakeholders, then you know don't don't focus so much on managing where everybody is at any given time. Manage the outcome, but lead the people. Oh, well I, said. Yes, very well said. And it's funny because. That was going to be my next question for the businesses and companies out there who are going, oh, no, 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 we've never done that before. No, this is how it is. Everyone has to be in the office, but we can't do that right now. I and mean, we've all seen that the big like Google and some other companies have told their people just work from home until summer of next year. Right, right. And then you have some companies that are going, oh, no, that's just not going to work. That's not feasible. And a couple months into this pandemic, I was listening to uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And he was saying that before the pandemic hit, he was so opposed to working from home, but because he was forced into it, he said, and his team still was productive. He said, oh, I think I'm going to implement one day a week to do this. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's very smart because you have seen your your team is productive, but then you still have those businesses out there. They're saying, no, we don't want that. We want all hands on deck and they're not, they don't have the empathy for their employees. What, what do these companies do? How do they get started or how do they even begin to try to pivot to that place where they can say, okay, because for me, I think, Companies like that have always been like that. So 
in this crisis, they're not going to each individual employee and saying, okay, what's your situation? Where now they have to. So this is tread new water for them. So how do they turn this around and approach it? Yeah, I mean, to, to, well, don't forget. Okay, oh, go sorry, ahead, Ben. I, yeah, I was just going to say real quick. I mean, to to me, they've they've got to um, take at least one lesson from the Google example, which is move out the goal line a little bit farther than you're than you're thinking. Right now, a lot of these employers are um, holding their breath and thinking, okay, by next week we can start to loosen up the restrictions. By next month, certainly by you know before the fourth quarter. Um, whereas, you know, the other companies are, um, you know, whether they're going to feel foolish because, oh my gosh, the restrictions are going to be a non-issue by January or not. They're saying right now, we can't continue to lead our company and run our business on what ifs. So we're just going to move that goalpost out until the summer of 2021 and say, between now and then, we're not going to worry about how you're going to shift back to a Monday through Friday, nine to five in the office. And we are going to build our business, build our processes, build our leadership, um, you know, communication and messaging and, and, you know, all of those things around that expectation. I think it's the employers who are still sort of, um, you know, managing in this, this ambiguous, well, things could change tomorrow or they might not. So let's wait and see. We tried that. We tried that in March. We tried that all through the spring. It is, you know, next week it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a new month and it, this is not going away anytime soon. So I think they've got to take a longer term, realistic look at the ground under your, under your feet has shifted permanently. You can't go back. Um, and, and Ben, I know you have some very strong uh, views on this as well. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. I mean, the comment that I love to use with employers like this is every employee that you lose costs you a hundred thousand dollars to replace. End of end of sentence stop. And when you take a look at people and say, look, there's now 50 million or 30 million or 40 million or how many people unemployed, but that's not going to last for long. There's, hundreds of thousands of employers around North America right now. They're going, wait a second here. I can hire somebody in Oklahoma if I'm in LA or somebody in, you know, somebody in New York or somebody in Anchorage or somebody in, in Detroit. And I can go out and I can hire the best talent wherever and wherever they are, because over the last six months, we've built up the policies and procedures and leadership talent to be able to build our business out that we can handle remote people and do it successfully. So you're going to have the great organizations realizing it says there's an enormous opportunity right now to grab the best talent. And if you as a company are sitting there going, you need to be in the office from nine to five, you know, whether you think it's safe or not, we don't care. We need to have you in the office, whatever the thing is, how long do you think that it's going to be before those people go looking for somewhere better to work? When they don't feel safe, when they don't feel appreciated, when they don't feel listened to, understood, or valued, how long do you think you're going to keep your best talent? And if you don't have your best talent, what's going to happen to your organization? So it's looking at it differently to sit there and say the world has fundamentally changed. COVID has put ourselves, as you said, there are hundreds of thousands of companies out there that said, 
my people will never work from home to, all right, everybody go home tomorrow because it's safer. And that happened almost overnight. And a lot of mistakes were made and a lot of things went wrong and a lot of you know frustration happened, but a lot of great things happened as well. And a lot of innovation happened, a lot of creativity and a lot of you know things changed within offices to make things better. And the great companies are realizing that we need to realize that our people moving forward, some people are going to want us to go to the office. Some people are going to want to be in the office part-time and some people just don't want to come back to the office. And how do we accommodate our great people to make sure that the business is successful long-term and how do we need to change as an organization to be able to be successful? The ones that don't have that philosophy, the ones that are going to stick to the way we're going to do things that we always did, will be lucky if they get what they always got and they probably won't. Mm. So as you guys have done your podcast and and interviewed and in preparing and writing your book, what are you guys seeing? Are you seeing people and businesses that are receptive to this pivot and are they or do you see businesses that are doing it right or what what did, what did you guys kind of um, discern from what you've been doing? Yeah, so so for me I've I have seen a a mixed bag. And some of it is what Ben just touched upon, that you've got some employers who um, are still digging their heels in and saying, this is a momentary, uh, or not momentary, this is a short-term um, diversion from the way that we normally do business. We're going to get through this and then go back to business, you know, as, as, as usual. Um, and those are the companies that are diluting themselves. And, and we don't pull any punches in the book when it comes to, um, you know, to, to some of our views on that. Um, other companies that you know were faced with the same crisis were faced with the same decision point where they had to say, um, you know, whoever is not essential for being in the field or in an office, you know, starting tomorrow, starting later today, you will shift to a remote situation because our first priority is keeping you safe. Um, a lot of those companies have. Um, been pleasantly surprised to find that their employee productivity has gone up, their employee morale has gone up in certain respects. Obviously, there's a lot of anxiety to try to, um, you know, work through, uh, you know, in facing the pandemic, um, you know, and that's a, that's a whole other topic. But, um, you know, a, a lot of employees have found that, you know, because of this forced pivot, um, you know, they kind of put into place the types of flexible working arrangements that their companies have been talking about doing for years, and now they're living them. Their commute has gone away. They can spend more time with their family. They can log on and off, um, you know, intermittently, again, provided they meet the, the outcomes expected of them, but there's more flexibility there. Um, so they're finding that they're more, you know, they're more productive. And the other thing that they're finding is, um, you know, in terms of a lot of the processes that they had been going through, you know, just just sort of uh, it, over time, you know, these things become institutionalized. And we don't even think about the fact that we're, you know, a, a process has 40 steps. Well, now we've pivoted to a remote, um, you know, technology enabled uh, work stream. And we found that we only need 17 steps in that process. So, you know, the, the more... Um, 
I, I think reflective, it's hard to be proactive in a time of COVID, but the more self-aware and the more reflective companies are now looking at those processes and saying, you know, when we are able to, to kind of go back to a physical work environment on a more steady, consistent basis, let's not just reflexively go back to the 40 step process. Let's really evaluate if the 17 steps are sufficient going forward or if we are or 13, creating, steps. Or 13 steps or five steps, right? Um, or maybe it's 23, but let's, let's sure as heck not go, just go back to 40 steps because those were in place. There were a lot of efficiencies that companies are finding they have gained um, by letting go of certain um, steps, certain gates, certain processes that you know were, were so status quo, they stopped questioning them. And now this forced pivot required them to reevaluate that. So, you know, I think those employers that um, that got creative, not just reactive, um, that you know, that led with compassion, not with panic, and you know, continued to um, you know make active, intentional steps to connect with their employees, not just communicate with them. Those are the employers that I have found, and I know Ben has observed. Um, you know, are, are are coming through this experience the stronger for it? Yeah, and to a different point to really focus on is, and I love the expression. It's called selling naked, and we really need to take a look and say, okay, who are the people that are, are truly selling naked through this whole crisis? And whether it's leadership or employees or whoever, who are the people that have been skating by pre-COVID that are really skating and really struggling now that COVID is the people that were just doing their jobs, that were barely doing enough just to keep themselves hired and not getting fired, and the people that really weren't adding value to the organization, those people are becoming more and more evident. And as I talk to leaders, I say, you really need to keep an eye on who's stepping up and who's stepping back. Because there's a lot of people, whether it's be leaders, you know, junior management, employees, whoever, that are using COVID as a crutch. Well, I can't do this because of COVID, or I can't do that, or I can't, you know, that's impossible because of this. And nothing's impossible. And we need to sit there and say, who are the creative people? Who are the people that are looking for solutions and who are looking for people that are who just want to make excuses? And organizations have to either figure out how to retrain these people and bring them back into the fold, or they need to find a way to sit there and find better people. Because now is a situation where we're in a trust economy, and our customers more than ever are looking for someone that they can trust. They're looking for people who are going to provide a customer experience, a customer service, and that are going to take care of them. And if we don't have the people in-house who are focused on those customers that are focused on making things better for the customers, making things easy for the customers, our brand is in serious trouble. We're all of a sudden going to become commodities that are low value, low, you know, low cost, easily replaced and easily forgotten. Wow. I mean, this is such powerful information that I think all businesses need to consider. Now, what would you say to 
the leaders or the businesses out there who may have been adaptable during this time. And they have employees who just said, you know what, I, I just can't go back because whether it's health concerns or they found that they like spending that time now with their family instead of fighting the traffic and dealing with the craziness of the job. What do you say to those leaders and those employees who may be thinking, okay, look, this is what happened. And I gave them leeway to work from home and now they left. The people that left that, that you gave them all the rope in the world. And then as soon as the pandemic subsided, they went and found another job or, or were I'm sorry, clarify and that. Not necessarily finding a job, but maybe the people who just were burned out. And at this time they found that, okay, you know what? I'm tired of fighting traffic. I'm tired of going to work and dealing with my manager who is a jerk. I have more time to spend at home with my family and I have peace of mind. And they're saying, you know what? I don't need to go back to this. So what do you say to those leaders and how they handle it? Or if that's going to make them sour, what would you say to them as far as not looking at that as a bad thing, but still continuing to look at people and have empathy and going by case by case basis? Yeah. I mean, for, you know, to me, one, one of the things we talk about in the, in the book is that, um, you know, what the, what this global pandemic has uncovered is that there are two skills um, that have, have really come to the forefront as being essential for every single company and every employee. And those are resilience and adaptability. Um, and that's not to say that the employees in the example you just shared, you know, who decided, um, you know, this, this particular working situation is no longer the one for me. What COVID has, you know, gotten me to realize is I missed spending time with my family. And I, you know, I was sacrificing too much um, in that commute to go to that job in that role for that company and for that boss. Um, and so they made the very personal, you know, and, and, and completely justifiable decision um, you know, to step away from that relationship. But those two skill sets for individual employees and for companies, resilience and adaptability um, are, are going to be and have become um, absolutely essential skills. The, the other thing I would say about, about that um, is, you know, we, we are seeing because of the pandemic, um, because of the fallout uh, and, the, and the difficult decisions a lot of companies have had to make, that unemployment is at, um, if not an all-time high, it is it is knocking on that door. Um, and one of the cautions we we make uh, in the book, um, and I you know, and I say to leaders all the time, is don't make the mistake of looking at the candidate market as a buyer's market right now. Um, and that is the impulse of a lot of companies to say, look at all the available talent out there. So we don't care how many people we lose. Because we're just going to, you know, mm. throw our net out there and scoop up a whole bunch of other people, um, the, and we can buy them cheap. Where where we can buy mm. them at a bargain and scoop them up and you know stuff them into whatever roles we need. Um, that is a hugely short sighted mindset. What I have said to people and what Ben and I talk about in the book is not to look at the market as a buyer's market, but to look at it as a builder's market. And there is a very distinct difference between the two. 
So, you know, the, the examples of those employees that you just talked about who kind of self-selected out of that work situation um, because they found that, you know, their, their, their values or their priorities um, were not being fed and fueled by that particular work environment um, w- will very likely look for a different opportunity. They're not necessarily going to just mm-hmm. stop working, right? Um, so yeah. now is a great opportunity for candidates and for employers alike to um, find the right match, and especially for companies, right? Because we're, we're really sort of aiming this discussion at the, you know, at the employers, the business owner level. Um, they really need to be looking at who is the right talent to bring onto our team. Um, you know, who meshes best with, not who looks most like what we've already got, um, but who will help us build and strengthen and promote our culture and help us move the, the needle toward our mission. So there's a huge difference between just scooping up available talent and building, you know, with the, with the right talent. Hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a couple things that, you know, that you said that, that really resonate with me. The first thing we need to do is if, if somebody does self-select out, if they decide that it's time to leave the organization, there's two things that go with that. One, employers who think they're going to have employees forever are deluded. <laughs> it's just not going to happen anymore. The days of a 30, 40, 45-year employee, I haven't seen that in a long, long time besides some very small industries. There are industries out there today that still have 30, 40-year employees, but I'll tell you something, there's not that many of them. They're usually union, and by the time they get to a certain age, they're golden handshaked in. And if, if they, if a lot of these people, if they had the opportunity to move on without losing their pension, without losing a lot of stuff that uh, their seniority, whatever, they probably would. We need to be able to, when people do decide to opt out, actually do exit interviews mm-hmm. and don't have the immediate boss of the person who was, of the person who's leaving, do the exit interview. Have somebody who is, you know, hands off somebody who is you know that that doesn't have skin in the game do it because you're going to learn things about your organization you're going to learn things about your people you're going to learn things about your process you're going to learn things about your customers that you probably never would unless you ask the questions but you have to be willing to ask the questions and you have to be willing to take the answers seriously and too mm-hmm. many people when somebody leaves says oh they just left oh well whatever we'll find somebody else the question is, why did they leave? Right, right. And that's kind of what I was alluding to with the question, because in this time, companies who did not treat their employees um, nicely or respectfully, this has given that employee that time to really think about it and say, you know what, I was commuting two hours, uh, working, putting up with a whole bunch of crap. And why should I do this now? And I'm so glad you mentioned the exit interview as far as asking questions, because I've had several jobs in corporate America and no, none of them have asked me why I was leaving. And the the problem is once you've got another job, depending on who you are and how big your ax is that you have to grind, you're not just telling one or two people anymore. Mm -hmm. You've got a social media account. Mm-hmm. You even if you have one, even if you've just had Facebook and you've got 500 friends, 
You tell that to 500 friends and they they sit there and go, wait a second, Coca-Cola or whoever, whoever they're, oh, they're such a horrible company. And they tell two friends, they tell two friends. And all of a sudden this becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. And nobody can, you know, nobody can do it. There's a, there's something in the media right now about somebody, or Chickafil created a, a TikTok video that ended up going viral. And because Chickafil uh, didn't like the way that this person did it, and they didn't ask permission before they went ahead, they fired them. And so guess what this person did? They created a video about how Chickafil fired them. And there's 3.8 million views between these two videos (laughs) right now. And this person's 19 years old. I would be hiring this person in about 30 seconds to work in my marketing department because they understand TikTok, which I certainly don't, and have the ability to be able to, to, to build on a community. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't understand as leaders the power that employees have at their fingertips within five square inches that they can they can send something out 10 seconds as, as they before they even get in their car to drive away that could go viral and absolutely do huge damage to a brand. And you have nothing, there's nothing you can do about it. It's it, So this is going to be at least the second time today that I have said, thank goodness I did not grow up during a, when, when social media existed. Because, <laughs> Absolutely. Right? All, That's what I say too. Absolutely. All the, all the goofy, stupid stuff that we did as kids um, couldn't go viral. Yeah, your friends remember and your parents remember, but eventually their memories fade. The internet is forever. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. yes. And- so have you guys touched on the all the tips that you guys have in your book? Because this leading beyond crisis, this I, I mean, I think this is going to bring out not only things that this pandemic has brought on, but other things just like we were just talking about, like the social media and people living. Because I think businesses always think they have the upper hand. Yeah, I think they think, OK, well, you know, Sally works here. Well, if she's going to leave huh, good, you know, good riddance to her. Well, guess what? How did you treat Sally? And like you said, exactly. She's a thumb stroke away from telling everyone how you treated her. But she could also be a thumb stroke away of telling everybody how phenomenal your company is as well. Mm -hmm. And that's what people forget. Everybody says it goes, there's a a no social media policy within our company. Talk about stupidity. (laughs) It is. It's absolute stupidity. People are going to talk whether you tell them they can or they can't. And the thing is, is that you'd rather have these people using their social media accounts to talk about all the phenomenal things that happen within the company than not. Each one of them, say you have a thousand employees and each one of them tells a thousand people the great things that are happening within your company. That's a million people. You can't buy that amount of advertising. You can't. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. You know, you'd spend less on Super Bowl ads. And it would be near nowhere near as effective because those people have the trust of the thousand people that they've sent that, that they've sent that message out to. So if you can use the internet for good, if you can, if you can empower your people, have reasonable policies and give them great content that they can share, they will become enormous advocates for your brand. And, you know, they might even, cut your marketing budget in half based on the great you know, work that they can do on, on, on your behalf. 
You know, what's interesting with you, you mentioned TikTok, which is a complete mystery to me as well. Every time I, I've too. sort of mastered one social media, like I'm finally on Instagram and I'm like, okay, I finally understand Instagram. And then TikTok came out of nowhere. And I said, well, what the heck is TikTok? Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we always sort of look at the millennials and uh, they're not even the youngest generation anymore. There's, there's Gen Z's. Right. So there's Gen Z's. Mm-hmm. And we always look at them and say, oh, these, these darn millennials and Gen Z's, they, you know, they live in the now and they're only looking for, you know, a job that can support their, you know, that, that sort of gives them enough money to support their, their hobbies and their lifestyle. Um, and, and first of all, they're onto something, Right. Um, but, but the other thing is, you know, I, I, I keep coming back, Trina, to your, to your example of those employees who kind of self-select out of an environment that no longer um, prioritizes what they want prioritized, right, in terms of their work-life balance, in terms of their value system. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, I'm a cancer survivor. And I know a lot of cancer survivors, and we all kind of had that epiphany, you know, when you get that diagnosis of life is too short. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of the things that propelled me out of uh, corporate America to, you know, to sort of leap into the unknown and go into consulting, um, you know, and start my own business, because why not, right? Life is too short to spend it in a company or a situation or, or, you know, somewhere that does not fulfill you or not chasing your passion at breakneck speed. And I think, you know, we are now in this year of COVID, this era of COVID, where on a global scale, we are realizing, um, employers are realizing life is too short to spend it in a company that does not care about them. And I think business owners have come to acknowledge that life is too short to, you know, not to build a business that they can be proud of and that, you know, they can get people to enthusiastically join and contribute to, Um, you know, this, this is this globally felt moment of, you know, if you, if you were waiting to build, um, you know, a great business and you felt, you know, sort of held back because, well, we've been doing it this way for so long, it would be impossible to, you know, to break down that culture and rebuild. This is the golden opportunity. You're not going to get another opportunity like a global pandemic to, you know, to wipe the slate clean of some of the garbage and bureaucracy and toxicity that have held your business back. Mm. Yeah. And all businesses are starting from the same ground zero. Absolutely. Really, we all are. Every, everybody is coming out of this almost on a level playing field. They truly are. And we all now have the ability to become global businesses. doesn't matter if you're a business of one or a business of a thousand people. Hmm. The world is far more receptive to sit there and say, you know what? We want to work with the best people. We want to work with people we can trust. We want to work with people that are reliable. We want to work with people that are going to take care of us. And we'll go looking for those people. And if those people are around the corner, hey, that's a bonus. But if they're not, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Now, are you guys actually telling people this, your clients, and are they getting that? Yes and no. Depends <laughs> on the client. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, it truly is. I mean, I have clients that absolutely embrace this. I have clients that sit there and go, you know what? Now we're gonna t- we're gonna start taking risks that we never did. We're gonna we're gonna start looking at all of our our policies, our procedures, the way we did things 
get rid of the sacred cows, talk to our people, you know, get the best ideas out of the people that are actually doing the job and figure out new ways forward. And we have people that are sitting there going, no, no, we're, we're just, you know, when, when we get back to the office, we'll, we'll figure this out. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that, um, at least resonated for me and I'm sure for, you know, Ben, it, it resonated with you as well as we were building what became this book. Um, but we were building conversations that, that sort of continued momentum from previous conversations. Um, you know, w- w- one of the things that, that those conversations and the book itself underscored were, were just that, that this is a conversation and by its nature, it has to continue. It's not a one and done um, you know, sort of uh, uh, point in time decision, and you just move on. Um, it's part of the reason we, you know, we call the book a conversation about what's next. It's part of the reason we invite other people to, you know, to continue the conversation. And we'll, we can talk in a minute about, um, you know, opportunities for, for people to do that. Um, but, you know, I, I think some of those business owners who are still digging their heels in and saying, no, 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 this is just a, you know, this year is an anomaly. We're going to go back to business as usual pretty soon. Um, are are kind of missing the point, right? Because there's an opportunity now um, to have ongoing conversations and make ongoing decisions that evolve your business. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing. You don't have to throw out everything about your business that was or was not working pre-COVID. Um, but it also means that you should be questioning, you should be reevaluating, and you should certainly be um, re-onboarding your employees into, you know, what, what the workforce, the workplace, um, you know, looks like now. Has the mission shifted? Have customer expectations shifted? Has the way that we deliver, um, you know, design, develop, and deliver products or services, has that changed? Um, you know, what of that can we capture as best practices and continue to learn from? And what can we leave behind as no longer serving us? So, you know, for, for me, and I think it's, it was, it was part of why the book became the book and did not just, you know, get left behind as a series of conversations, um, it it is sort of this call from Ben and myself to business leaders to say, keep this type of dialogue going because it's through that dialogue that the innovation and the true evolution of your business will happen. Yeah. They're known as living brands for a reason. Where you are today is not where you're going to be five years from now, and it's not where you were five years ago. You know, brands change. The ideals and the purpose and the vision may stay the same, but they may not. And we need to acknowledge that our customers are going to change. The way we do things are changing. The type of employees that we, you know, that we go after change. The type of customers we go after are going to change. And we need to sit there and say, how have we changed? And embrace that and sit there and say, okay, now that we realize we have changed, what does that mean? What does that mean for our organization from this point forward and be able to augment our brand story so everybody who's in the organization understands why things have changed, how they've changed, and how it, you know, how it affects them? Because in the end, everybody wants to sit there and say, how does this affect me? You know, how does this affect my life? And that's why change is so scary for people and organizations, that's why people hate change, because they don't understand it. And they're fearful of it because they don't know how it's going to affect their lives and the lives of their families and everybody around them. 
and they're scared. And the more as leaders, we can sit there and say, you know what? This is the direction we're going. This is how you fit in. This is why we're doing what we're doing. And this is what we think is going to be the result. People will be a little bit more safe and a little bit more secure with that. If people just say, follow me, we're going right. Some people will follow blindly. A lot of people won't. And as organizations, we got to be really wary of the people that when you look over your left shoulder, where do they go? Yes, this has been a great conversation that, like you guys said, need to continue. And I don't think I don't think many businesses have had this conversation and thinking about it. So tell the listeners about the book, how they can get it, who's it for, and the things that you guys really want to put in the forefront for the book. Ben, why don't you go, go first? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> why don't you go first? Oh, sure. We flipped the coin and I lost. <laughs> no, the, the book is really designed for, for leaders. And I'm talking leaders at all levels within organizations. It, it's really, it is, it's a conversation between Claire and I. And at the end of every chapter, we ask you a question and we leave eight or 10 lines for you to put your own answers in because it's all about what does this mean to you? You know, what it means to us, what it means to Clara, what it means to us, it may be irrelevant for you. It's got to be how do you internalize it? And that's what this book is about. It's about giving you the tools for you to move forward individually and, you know, for you to personalize this in a way that's going to allow you to succeed. The book is available on Amazon. Um, you know, it's, it's probably going to be available, uh, for, for bulk sales through Ingram spark as well. We haven't, we haven't signed that deal yet, but it's definitely going to be available through, through, uh, through Amazon and we're setting it up for worldwide distribution that way. And, you know, we're, uh, we're always available. Uh, Claire and I are always available to, to, to do virtual or keynote addresses around this workshops and a whole bunch of other things. Claire. Yeah, well said. I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, just a couple of things to add. I mean, um, it, it is absolutely meant for, um, you know, leaders, as Ben said, at any level, um, but really to draw them into the conversation, not just to be an outside passive observer. Um, you know, th- this is, this was, these conversations were born out of how can you make your business better? How can you make it um you know, sort of fortify it during COVID so it thrives beyond COVID. Um, And there's also, you know, an opportunity to, uh, you know, part of what we envision going beyond this book is to build up a community of leaders who want to continue to participate in this type of a conversation. Um, So we're we're putting together some forums for people to be able to do that um, virtually and, and have conversations not just with Ben and myself, but with fellow leaders um, you know, where, where they can really um, lean on each other, learn from each other and move their businesses forward. So, you know, we, we encourage you to go out, get the book, read the book, give us feedback and, and, and really have these types of conversations because that's, that's really where the, the, the learning and the forward progress are. Yeah. And that's the title. And that forum, the forum URL is going to be leadersmadehere.com. If people go to leadersmadehere.com, they'll be able to find out where they can start the conversation. Good. And the title of the book, again, is? Leading Beyond a Crisis, a Conversation About What's Next. 
Okay. And give the listeners um, the information of how they can connect with each one of you on an individual basis if they want you um, to speak or they want you together to continue this conversation, maybe virtually with, you know, their executives and their business, how would they um, get in contact with you? So they can reach me on my website, which is clairechandler.net. And the best way to get in touch with me is at yourbrandmarketing.com. Well, Ben and Claire, I really thank you for this thought-provoking conversation because it's a lot of things that, like I said, I don't think people have thought about businesses and maybe not employees either, but it's definitely something that does need to continue because the way that we knew business and the world has now changed forever. And whatever way it's going to turn out after this, it's going to be different. So it's not going to be how we were accustomed to living in it. So I think this conversation is very needed. And I really thank you too for your time for discussing this with, um, with me and making people think. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to be on your show with you. Trina, thank you very much for having us. It was a wonderful conversation. And, uh, you know, we love being with you. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their lives? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.